Hey guys, welcome to This Week I Learned. So first thing I'm going to talk about is the Morgan's Law and it's basically a technique I use to make my if statements simpler. Basically my boolean statements uh, much more simpler. So for ex- uh, so. Uh, the Morgan's law works like for example you have A or B right you have A or B and if you negate that you can actually simplify it instead of putting a parenthesis around it and negating it you can actually just make it not A and not B so conversely is true for example if you have um, not A and not B you can simplify it uh you know, I know sorry if you have not a and not b not uh, you, you negate the whole thing it will become a or b that's basically it so if you start from that more complicated one it becomes much more simpler so that's where the morgan's law comes in it makes these easier uh, it's actually a technique in in logic and uh, you can use it to simplify your, your uh, pro- propositions and stuff. This is actually pretty useful in programming because, well, programming is, has uh, its roots in mathematics and logic is part of discrete mathematics. So there we go. Um, so that's it for the Morgan's Law. When you're working with Node applications or anything that uses Node, you'd probably encounter NPM, and that is usually the case because a lot of things that uh, you're building, if you're in the front end or JavaScript realm, you'd be using NPM. So NPM doesn't actually stand for anything, but most people like to think of it as the Node Package Manager, and it is actually a package manager. So one of the cool things that NPM can do is actually help you run scripts so for example if you want to automatically build and deploy something you can just add it into your npm script like uh, so you have you can run npm run deploy and then you just define a deploy script in your scripts in your package.json and problem solved so this is uh, actually pretty nice for elementary um, you know task management and stuff uh, one thing that you can do actually is for example um, because if you're you're defining a whole a whole command inside of npm but what if you want to add arguments to your script but because it is already the the command is already defined inside npm and in, inside your npm script you can't just Add like for example, uh, you want to add an interval to something, so to your script. So you, you can't just npm run command dash dash interval. You can't just do that. What you can do instead is add a dash dash before your actual argument, before your actual parameter. So what you can do is npm run insert command here dash dash 
then another space, then dash dash interval. So adding that dash dash there actually enables you to add uh, more commands into your into your script. So for example, if you're running GraphQL, and it usually just uh, yeah, GraphQL is uh, a framework for building GraphQL applications. So, for example, if I want to deploy my application, I can just usually run uh, GraphQL deploy, and I'll add, and maybe I can add that as an npm script deploy. So I can run npm run deploy. But what if I want to make it interactive? Like I want to choose between between the the cloud version and on the local deploying on the cloud and on the local because you can do that with dash dash interactive so graphcool dash dash interactive but now I'm using npm run deploy so I can't just use npm run deploy dash dash interactive it won't work so what instead I can do is npm run deploy dash dash another space then dash dash interactive then that will actually make it work so that's just another technique uh, that's handy when dealing with NPM scripts. In a previous episode of This Week I Learned, we talked about NPM CI, which is basically a way to install dependencies using NPM, but much, much faster and much more reliably because if it has warnings, it actually breaks so your build is incomplete. So it's nice to use for uh, CI, CD uh, flows with whatever system you want to use. Uh, that's why it's called NPM CI, but it actually really just installs your, package, your packages and it's more reliable. But we're not going to talk about that a lot. And we're here to talk about, in this portion, NPM Audit that was released at the same time as NPM CI, as much as, uh, as far as I know. So, yeah, NPM Audit allows you to, when you run it on your repository, um, it will try to determine the packages that are, vulner that are vulnerable to um various attacks so basically it checks it audits the security of the packages that you've imported for your application uh but before you have you use it you have to use uh, you have you need to have a package lock.json so it's package-lock.json but uh you can just um create that by using npm install package lock only so like you can just generate that if you want. So it's it's uh, it's practically the 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 counterpart of yarn .lock if you're using yarn, but for npm. Uh, so after you create that, you can use npm audit, and then it displays it it runs through your dependencies and then displays the all the packages that have that have. Uh, uh, vulnerabilities and then uh, displays if those this, uh, vulnerabilities are severe, uh, uh, low priority or medium so if they're very vulnerable or whatnot and then it actually has a link to in order for you to have more information about that particular vulnerability because one package can have multiple vulnerabilities so you can ha just search for them they uh they actually give you a link which is pretty pretty nice which is really nice 
So that way you can run your uh, application without any worries that your packages don't have vulnerabilities. Of course, the, we also have to look out for zero days, but um, it's, that's not uh, much of a problem because it's not known because it's zero day. That's less of a problem. So we have to look out for the problems that actually exist with NPM audit. So, so that's something that Yarn doesn't have, but that NPM has. So we can actually say that NPM is really getting better and better and better. So if NPM actually gets to the speed where it's actually equal to Yarn, that'd be really, really great. So that's it for NPM audit. I encourage you to just look through the docs and see what it is all about. Next we have OW with like it's O W like OW the interjection. Uh and it is a library for function argument validation. Uh it, it calls it, well it describes itself as function argument validation for humans. And it was built by the prolific developers in Desaurus. Um it is batteries included which basically means you already have most of what you need to use, like validating strings and numbers in the library and it you can chain it so it has a great chainable api so you just connect connect it so <clears throat> you can and you can also negate it using using the chain api so uh basically uh, most of the most of the functions that you need for function argument validation are there and you can even build your own custom validator so this would be helpful to keep uh help keep your code um clean and bug free also protect you from malicious input so definitely check that out it's called our the next thing that i recently learned is that you can actually style placeholders so you can use the colon colon placeholder pseudo selector for CSS uh, for text box and input text um, elements so you can just select them with the dot, dot, uh, colon colon placeholder and you can style those placeholders um, I don't uh, yeah this isn't new but I just learned this recently so there you go guys <laughs> one of the things that I'm most excited about is ML.NET which allows you to use machine learning algorithms without actually implementing them in your .NET application so whatever language it is as long as it uses .NET like C sharp or F sharp you can use it there so it drastically makes everything uh, much much easier especially in F sharp because there's not a designated ML library for F sharp as far as I know so uh, this will make everything much much simpler so I could just use uh, .NET install the ML the ML package and then use it in my F sharp project so that makes things much much simpler and gives me the power of machine learning at my fingertips without actually implementing it in uh, from scratch so that's it for ML.NET
another exciting development is Google's Rendertron, which is, I think, Google's answer to pre-render. And this allows you to render your SPAs. And that is served to search engines, if that's what's crawling your site, in order for you to, like, you know, have better SEO and, uh, you know, for indexing purposes. Uh, it describes itself as a dockerized headless Chrome rendering solution designed to render and serialize web pages on the fly. So that when, when you hear about it, it's basically like, you know, pre-render. But I think it is easier to set up. So you spin up a server using Rendertron, and then the site, you, you'll point your, your domain to, to the Rendertron server. And then the sites will, or maybe just reverse proxy it or whatever. And then the sites will communicate with, uh, the, oh no, the clients will be communicating with the Rendertron server, or rather the, well, whoever is trying to access your site. And then it will render your your SPA, your single page application, and then it will send it uh, after rendering. It will send it back to the whoever requested the page. So yeah, um, the, by default, Rendertron will decide when your site is loaded, or you can actually just explicitly set it with some with with the settings uh, with some settings you can add to your. Um, head tag. It's a meta tag, I think, if I remember well. And yeah, that's it. If you want to learn more about Rendertron, visit the GitHub repo. Just search Google Rendertron. And then, well, if you want to a direct link, you can just visit the accompanying blog post to this episode. <laughs> People are under the impression that PHP is only for the web, but when in fact, PHP is actually a general programming language. So how do we actually use it for other things? Now people have been posting um, previously, no recently, they have been posting about PHP UI, which is a library that, that wraps LibUI which enables us to create cross-platform desktop applications with PHP uh, with the native look and feel. So with this, and it's actually on the PHP documentation, so with this, we can see that PHP is not actually just a language for the web. We can actually use it to build a lot of things because it is actually a general programming language, although it is a lot of library no it has a standard library that is full of uh, methods for the web it is actually a general programming language it, it has a lot of features in the standard library that are not related to the web uh, just general programming and with PHP UI we are now able to build cross-platform desktop applications with PHP so again why not use PHP for anything. If you can use JavaScript for anything, why not use PHP? Now then, what happens is it's a matter of preference and a matter of community. So I'll leave that decision up to you.
Last but not the least, we have an update for Kubernetes auto scaling. So what the update is, is basically for, for Kubernetes, when you're doing auto scaling with Kubernetes, you can use the horizontal pod auto scaler. So what it actually does is you set um, a threshold for like for a cert, uh, for the CPU metric. For example, if your CPU has already reached twenty five percent usage, then you'll spin up another pod to support that deployment. The exciting news is it is now the CPU usage is not the only metric that you can use now uh it's uh, a new a new metrics have been added and now you can use the memory usage of the pod and also how many http requests have been sent uh, are being sent to the pod at a certain moment so using those metrics we can now become more flexible in auto scaling our pod so for example if the cpu usage is not a problem but actually the memory usage and or the HTTP requests being sent to that pod, we can automatically auto-scale. So then if there are too many HTTP requests made to that pod, we can auto-scale and it, well, Kubernetes has a load balancer, so it's automatically handled for us. That way, we can have a more flexible way of auto-scaling our pods, our deployments. So that is a very exciting update for me with regards to Kubernetes.